my experiences from being a national champion in women's wrestling at the college level, as well as going through many setbacks and challenges through career ending injuries and wow. just pitfalls that were kind of out of the blue or even decisions I was making myself and mm -hmm. the skills and tools that I was given from coaches, but also um, learned throughout business management studies and positive psychology to be able to go from like barely graduating high school, failing my first year of college to becoming a national champion, graduating college and getting my master's in positive psychology and now starting a business. So uh, a lot of the people I work with are in very high pressure environments. They're working these long hours, like mm -hmm. borderline workaholics in some yep. instances. They're in highly competitive markets, they have tight deadlines, rapidly changing demands, and this constant pressure to deliver solutions under tight deadlines. And typically this is gonna lead to stress, it's gonna lead to creative blocks, and it's gonna lead to decreased productivity. Hey guys, welcome back to the Boardroom Podcast. I am here today with Faith Woodward. How are you doing today, Faith? I am doing great. It is some very interesting weather here. So really just trying to stay bright and happy through all the rain and <laughs> bipolar weather in Georgia. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised I didn't say you were in Canada. How is it where you are though, weather-wise and everything like that? Oh, humid and bipolar. It's, it is never just like consistent weather here. It's literally sunny and 80 all day and then thunder mm -hmm. and lightning storms in the afternoon especially with the hurricane like around the corner <laughs> oh you guys have a hurricane coming through it was in florida recently right yeah i mean i think it's kind of passed through at this point but we we didn't get hit at all by anything mm -hmm. just kind of like that outside wind and rainstorms okay so you're safe everyone's happy everyone's in good health and strength we can proceed without any worries then. Yes, definitely. Perfect. So we're here today to learn a little bit about, they would call it psychology and all of that, but I like to think of it as living a holistic life. The reason being, you know, it's not enough to run a business, make a lot of money, and then go home to a empty house. And if you have a family, God bless you, you have an unhappy wife, a unhappy wife that is probably estranged kids who don't know you so help us as entrepreneurs today understand a little bit more about how to maintain work-life balance how to not be a robot that goes 24 7 at work you know how to turn off the switch and be a normal human every now and then sounds good that sounds great yeah a question i must ask though um we've met before and um i'm familiar with you but for our audience members who aren't familiar with you let us say that someone's walking down the road they see you coming toward them and they say ah it's faith who exactly is faith really who is faith well i am a coach for starters i like to go mm -hmm. by coach faith here and there okay. just for people who are understanding who i am to start 
Um, I'm definitely someone who's extremely ambitious and loves to solve problems. Uh, A lot of my coaching and a big foundation of why I started my business, A Life Being Coaching, uh, draws upon a lot of my experiences from being a national champion in women's wrestling at the college level as well as going through many setbacks and challenges through career-ending injuries and just pitfalls that were kind of out of the blue or even decisions I was making myself. And Mm -hmm. the skills and tools that I was given from coaches, but also um, learned throughout business management studies and positive psychology to be able to go from like, Barely graduating high school, failing my first year of college to becoming a national champion, graduating college, and getting my master's in positive psychology, and now starting a business. So um, I'm definitely someone who is ambitious to solve problems because I've gone through a lot of my own and solved quite a few, but I've also dedicated much of my research, much of my study and coaching techniques to teaching people how to do it sustainably long-term. Wow, I mean, that's that's a lot to unpack. I heard a few things. Um, you said that you had a wrestling career, was it? And you had a career-ending injury, which by itself, that's, that's like two things we could talk about for half an hour. You also yep. said you barely graduated high school, almost failed college the first year. Now you have a master's in psychology and a master's in business. You also mention your journey it's like the rough patch that you went through in life primed you for who you are today and um hats off to you like you stuck through with it you got it done you put your shoulders down and you pushed through and today you're just an awesome human being adding positive value coach faith to your clients is it clients patients Clients. So clients. just to touch on that back thing as well, like all that background, I mm-hmm. could not have done any of that alone. Like I appreciate your congratulations and like, mm-hmm. thank you for that. But I give so much credit for mm-hmm. what I've been able to accomplish to mm-hmm. my coaches, to my mentors, to my professors, my parents, um, throughout my positive psychology study, that's when I also did my coaching training. And mm-hmm. I got 60 to 80 hours of being coached by mentor coaches, as well as fellow coaches that like, I couldn't have done any of that alone. So I am grateful for you like telling mm-hmm. me like, great job, you're, you're doing awesome. But also like none of that could have been done without the help of those people. Um, and coaches to guide me along the way. Um, and then, sorry, repeat your question. <laughs> I don't think I ever started a question. Is it? I was just okay. really congratulating you and everything. Something I thought, and then I wanted to just like make sure I touched on that point because um, it's important it, to shed light on those who supported you. What I'm hearing is that you have a really awesome group of people around you. Yeah, I mean, it's all about who you surround yourself with. Every Mm -hmm. person who is except like, there's that quote that you become the five people you surround yourself with. Um, There you go. Even relating it to books as well, like your top Mm -hmm. five books that you read are like, 
who you become, what you're going to really mm-hmm. start replicating. And it's, it's really what you create within your environment that mm-hmm. ultimately dictates if you will achieve the things that you want or not. Um, entrepreneurship mm-hmm. is a very, especially if it's solo entrepreneurship, it can be a very lonely journey. And very so dependent. finding like a support system and groups mm-hmm. and people that you can actually like bounce ideas off of if you don't have a group finding a coach that can like give you that bird's eye approach and view of the things that you might be missing or things that you really need to talk through as well so another thing that i want us to really look at i read the book atomic habits by james clear popular book popular guy awesome guy he has a very similar story to yours where i believe he was in baseball at the age of 10, I think he got slugged in the face by a baseball bat. Career was over. And he had to find a way to get over that. And his influence came from psychology, behavioral therapy and stuff like that. In your own walk in life, I see something similar happening. And you're also a positive psychology coach. You work with entrepreneurs. You mentioned solopreneurs needing to have a group of people around them that helps them to become the best version of themselves. What exactly are some of the problems that your clients would have that when they have those problems, you're the best person to help them through that? So more, I I do work with entrepreneurs, but Mm -hmm. my main focus is, um, on building team dynamics and sustaining motivation and drive within the workplace through adversities. So that's really great for entrepreneurs as they struggle with many adversities along the way of starting a business, um, working those long hours, being in highly competitive markets, having tight deadlines. And, but like, I really strive to work with teams because uh, ultimately, it's it's creating as big as, of a ripple effect as possible within a company, but like bigger scale, the world as well. You influence one team, mm-hmm. they're going to go on and share that with somebody else. So um, a lot of the people I work with are in very high pressure environments. They're working these long hours, like mm-hmm. borderline workaholics in some instances they're in highly competitive markets they have tight deadlines Mm -hmm. rapidly changing demands and this constant pressure to deliver solutions Mm -hmm. under tight deadlines and typically this is going to lead to stress it's going to lead to creative blocks and it's going to lead to decreased productivity without the proper guidance without the proper tools and techniques and in the long run, you're going to have a burned out workforce. You're going to have decreased decision making and a result of unmotivated employees. And positive psychology is literally like a complete turnaround from all of that. It's all about finding what makes life worth living. And when you apply that into the workplace, you see companies become more resilient. You see them developing habits to actually decrease stress, to become more creative, 
to mm-hmm. increase their productivity and relate better to their workforce so that they can start making better decisions along the way. Okay. That sounds sounds brilliant. It sounds like something that I'm pretty sure a lot of our viewers and listeners would find a lot of value in. Just being in a work environment alone is competitive enough. But if that work environment is toxic, well, it's doubly so. A question that I must ask, though, because I'm genuinely curious about this. You know, there's a psychological phenomenon that says that if you're focused on red cars, you're going to see a lot more red cars than if you weren't focused on red cars. Meaning that if you know what something looks like and you're looking for it, you're more likely to see it. What are some of the symptoms of a dysfunctional workplace, a toxic workplace, uh, not necessarily a negative workplace in terms of you know positive, negative psychology, but more of a workplace that really does need some help from positive psychology? What, does, what are some of those symptoms? What do they look like? I would say... Some of the biggest like symptoms and red flags within a business are employees that have shifted. Like there's this big trend going on right now, especially in corporations, quiet mm-hmm. quitting, a quiet quitting. And basically yes. it's showing up to your job and doing the bare minimum, showing up what you're paid to do, never going beyond the extra. I mean, especially um, I'm 26. So in my generation, mm-hmm. it's pretty significant because a lot of people my age aren't willing to work more than 40 hours a week. They don't want to put in that extra work. And most jobs nowadays require around 50 hours of work week. Um, And especially in the corporate setting as well. And if you can't get your company, if you can't get your team to like be happy about doing that work, then I don't think you're really leading your workforce. So if you have a team that's just showing up to get their paycheck, that that's a really big indicator. You can see it in their work. You can see it in the mistakes they're making. You can see it in the way that they're they're walking around the day. They're not asking what more they can do. They're not asking if they can learn more. They're not learning the industry or the like the actual background work of what's going on. Um, you're not gonna see people really communicating, taking. It shouldn't be on the employees and associates to go to their managers and their leaders. Um, I worked at a company once and that was the standard. Like, Mm -hmm. if you want to become a leader, you Mm -hmm. have to go to your managers and set up these meetings. Okay, that's great. Yes, I understand. That's taking initiative. We have to take initiative. We have to show drive. Mm -hmm. But what if these leaders and managers aren't invested in us? What if they're not actually looking at our strengths, looking at the the things that motivate us and taking the time to learn who they're leading so that that employee feels confident enough to go to their superior and talk to them and have that initiative. Like it's got to start at the top. It can never start at the bottom because the bottom feeders are ultimately there to start to collect a paycheck and experience. It's like, that's what it is. And if they don't have people investing in them, they're never going to reach those levels of success that a company wants to like grow and retain long term. Wow. Um, that's a lot to unpack. And the thing that stands out to me is you, you spoke about quiet quitting, where they show up and they do the bare minimum. 
And I think this is also a symptom. I'm not sure. We'd have to look into the research, perhaps do some ourselves. I think it's a symptom of just how our generation, so I'm 29 right now, our generation, we don't handle conflicts very well, I've come to find. And you know the idea of ghosting. It's really um, emotional immaturity where they're trying to avoid the problem. And instead of talking about it, understanding that. I disagree with your idea, not with you, the person. You're, You're brilliant. But your idea, this one or two point I don't agree with. So there's also that phenomenon at play, I think. And even in my country, it's one of the biggest problems most employers that I work with and even come in contact with have. They say the workers, they just don't get work done. I know that this is a problem that it's not industry specific. It's not local, it's not geographic specific. So it's not just a Jamaica problem or an American problem. It's all over. But we have seen examples of really small teams outperforming bigger, more qualified teams. Um, a story that I'll bring up quite often is you look at Orville and Wilbur Wright when they invented the airplane. They outperformed a team with scientists and engineers with government grants and so on. And they were just bicycle makers, as you might put it. So a question I must really put to you because I want to understand this a little bit more. I run a business. Let's say I have 15 employees. No one particularly likes me, right? I am the boss that comes. I yell at everyone if something goes wrong. When something goes right, no one is given a word of encouragement. It's come to work, do your best job, go home. I don't care about you. Very toxic. Not a place you want to be for 50 hours per week. But you have to come or I'm going to fire you. I'm going to get on you and I'm going to chew you up. How do we change such a work environment? What are the steps that someone interested in changing because unless they're interested in change it's never going to change what are some of the steps that i as a business manager might put it really want to engage engage with my team be more human as i heard you saying how would i go about doing that what are the first steps the first step is going to be major self-awareness you Mm -hmm. it's like any recovery program that you look at, the first step is admitting you have a problem. The last step is typically helping somebody else through their problem. But you can't get there to helping somebody. You can't get there to giving anything back to your workforce until you start with yourself. And you really start to look inward at the areas that you're falling back on. I mean, most soft skills aren't taught in organizations. Most skills that teach leaders how to exhibit positive emotions, drive engagement and flow, build meaningful relationships and meaning and really celebrate accomplishments. Like more and more you're seeing that taught at trainings and things like that. But you see all of these trainings being held throughout the year. How many of these leaders are actually going back and sustaining what they learned at these workshops or learned at these huge events that their corporations put on. I would not hesitate to say very few of them do. And so really like you have to have somebody in your corner pulling that blanket off, like calling you out on, not calling you out in like a bad way, but really like showing you. In your eyes, yeah. This is, this is, yes, like your employees aren't going to tell you because they don't have that, like, Authority. that true 
authority to do that. Yes. And it's not their place to either. And very rarely, if it's, say, it's like a franchise sort of uh, structure, very rarely do you have a business owner's superior coming in and seeing how they how they work day by day. Like you see that a lot in the education system, principals and people from the board going into classrooms and seeing how their teachers are running their classrooms and teaching their classrooms. But rarely, like very rarely do you see that in a like corporate setting or franchise setting with different facilities and PCs and things like that. So really the only way that that manager or that leader is going to get feedback is from their employees. And if their employees don't feel like they have the authority or confidence to do that, they are never going to sit there and reflect. So they have to find somebody to give them that bird's eye view and give them those tools and those skills to actually be able to like recover and create a more healthy work environment. And nine times out of 10, that business owner is that way because of the stress that they have because of the high demands that they have within their environment, because of the way the economy is and the way that the ran is, the world is ran. Um, and on top of that, being expected to lead their team because that's their job. And they're, they're kind of a, at the top alone. They have nobody to really bounce things off of. They can't really go to their superiors because they expect so much of them. And they can't go to the people that report to them because they need to keep that authoritative figure as well. So they have to bring somebody in to either create a healthy work environment or work with them solely to start changing their habits so that they can become the leader they need to be for their team. So is this where, because earlier you mentioned um, groups, is this where a positivity group would come in and be helpful? Let's say you don't have such a person in your corner, maybe you don't have a close friend or a spouse that could open your eyes and say, it's a little bit easier for you to catch flies with honey versus vinegar, you know? Is that where the positivity group comes in? Yeah, so ideally when I work with teams, I'm working either with a manager's team or cross-functional teams as well. So a group of leaders who can ideally um, take the skills and the tools that they're learning and give them to their teams. Or on the other side, I work with someone's team. And I'm more of like a liaison between the shareholder, the business owner, and the team. Because ideally, the team needs to be able to come to me or a coach with their concerns and their issues and the barrier between the communication with the business owner or the leader, or the manager, and the team, and do it in a confidential and trustworthy way as well. It's really hard to do that to a boss because it's just, it, there's not a lot of transparency typically there. Huh. Even, when, even when bosses say it's an open door policy, that's, it's it's not because they are human. you can't yeah. really have control of your policy with someone who disciplines you in the end or can fire you. Um, yes. So having a coach come in, have that group to work on the skills with that the shareholders looking on developing and creating, and then taking those results, taking those um, different activities and different viewpoints in a summarized manner, a confidential manner, and taking them to the shareholder 
um, to work on with the shareholder alone in that setting so that authority still stays there. It's not like, oh, let's all get together with the shareholder and the team because there's still got to be a thin line of this is my superior still. This is, I can't break down every single wall with them because there has to be a little bit of a, um, I don't want to say like a wall blocker, but like, Mm -hmm. yeah. It's like a healthy distance. You're not being unhelpful, but you understand that you can't be the one to teach them everything because they are your superior. It would be like the child parenting the parent. It doesn't go too far, even if the child knows the parent is doing something wrong. At Zelhan, we believe in the power of the internet, software, and technology to make it easier to start and run a successful business online. Go to zelhan.com and set up a pay discovery session with our team Tell us the problems holding your business back from increasing revenues, getting more clients, and being successful. Our team will help you develop a strategy or solution to increase your revenues, profits, or solve any business problem that you might have. Tell us your problems, and we will take care of everything else for you. Our pay discovery session fee will be removed from your project fee if you work with us within a month of your first discovery session. This allows us to do our best work with clients who are serious about working with us. Go to zelhan.com forward slash consultation or click the link in the description of this video to book your first session. Now let's get back to the video. Right. And another way I like to look at it, when I was coaching a university wrestling team, um, something that the coaches told us as coming on as assistant coaches is your you're a coach. The team is the team and the coaches are the coaches. So the team has their own dynamic. They have their own values. They have their own culture. And the coaches have something separate where we're all a part of the program, but we're two separate components working together towards a common goal. You mentioned something quite interesting that sparked an idea. Originally, like well, initially, when you mentioned I wouldn't say it's selfish behavior, but I think it's more competitive behavior that would normally precede the toxic work environment. Something came to mind. Is that a product? And this isn't a question, actually. It's just something that came to mind. I was wondering if this was a product of our schooling system where we are taught to compete with each other, not to work with each other to come to a solution. So no one child can be number, no two children can be number one. Someone has to go to number two. There has to be a winner. There has to be a loser. They might have a fourth place trophy and they might give everyone a reward for competing. But the idea is they want to find out who is the smartest, who performs best. And they do that by sitting you in rows and giving you tests every now and then. And they don't have you work together, everything like that. So that was something that came to mind. But then you mentioned you were working with the university wrestling team and something sparked an idea. Could we say that those employees or employers, either way, that are good at team sports, so you did uh, wrestling at the college level as well, and you went to the state level, could we say that someone who functioned as part of a wrestling team, for example, or football team or soccer team or basketball team, and let's say they were the team captain, they know how to lead the guys out, how to get them to work towards a common goal. Could we say that they make better leaders just because they have that team building spirit in them from before? 
I, being in college athletics, mm-hmm. I have seen some of the highest performing athletes on the team be the, um, not be leaders necessarily mm-hmm. in what they do. So okay. just because they are the best athlete on the team, the most competitive, winning all the tournaments, making all the shots, making all the goals, they're out there partying. They're getting poor grades. They're not being a, a good teammate, but they're they're the best athlete on the team. Perhaps most then talented as well. You see, yeah, they have talent. But then you see the flip side of coaches choosing captains or teams choosing captains who may not be the best athlete, but they're out there getting good grades. They're refraining from partying, drinking, drugs. They're staying focused. They're getting up early, um, staying late after practices, and but they're not winning every tournament. And so that is something that is so motivating to others to see is that grit and that grind to show up every day, day in, day out, and that's what other people are going to follow as well. So you have people in these managerial type roles. You have people in these leadership roles, these titles of senior level manager, director, VP. um, And they're not working on the actual soft skills that this new generation has to have in order to show up for work. Like people my age that are the future of the workforce, they want to find meaning in their work. They want to have work-life balance. They want to be more resilient and motivated and disciplined and focused. But so many leaders don't know how to drive that. They can go into an interview and name off 15 or 20 strengths that they have and how they can show up and the the strengths that they have on their um, resume. But can they actually talk about their values? Can they actually talk about the things that are meaningful to them? Everything that they've maybe sacrificed to get to where they are today. Like, I, I don't know many leaders who have that vulnerability to do that, um, except for the ones I've worked with, of course, and like develop those skills because it is breaking down the walls. It is breaking down those barriers and realizing that that's the superpower. That's the strength in the end. That's, um, I think that's brilliant. And quite often, even in the NBA, you realize that the best player isn't always the captain. And sometimes it's the most experienced, the most mature member of the squad who becomes a captain. And this is something that happens across all sports. And I look back at the analogy that you made in terms of the best player and how he doesn't necessarily lead. And it draws me back to the question of school. It's the it's basically a competition for who can perform the best. You look at the acceptance rate for Ivy Leagues, for example, and what they look at and just how far back into your educational data they go just to separate you from someone else. And a quick difference between one exam on a bad day you had a cold versus something else that separates you. But it brings me now to the most important question of all. You have a team in front of you. There is dysfunction. You know you can help them. You have a plan. What does your plan look like? 
How do you get started? How do you implement this plan? How long does it take? A plan is... Or transformation. Great. Yes. A plan is exactly what you need, but a plan without clarity and meaning mm -hmm. is useless. If you want to communicate yeah. this plan, if you want to make sure that your team is on board with this plan, there has to be a why. There has to be a driving factor that's Whoa. that's ultimately people moving forward um, down to every single task. There are so many places of work that just give out busy tasks that are important for the organization, but for the employee themselves, they're like, oh, they're just trying to keep me busy. They don't, that, that's on the leader. That's on the manager. That's on the person in charge of them that didn't nice. communicate the meaning of why this is actually important. Oh, and wow. that person's going to either do it and spit it out because they know how to do it, or they're going to procrastinate on it. It's going to get to the bottom of their to-do list, their pile. And like to touch on the competition aspect, I think that competition is so healthy in organizations but also with competition and something that I saw a lot in college athletics especially everybody has biases there's always going to be some sort of like favoritism here or there and you see that a lot in college admissions as well that's there's so much going on with biases in terms of background race religion things like that that Yes. People say has no play in acceptance rates, but the person who is going through those applications is a human being, and every single human has implicit biases. And so, they aren't aware of it most times. Competition, yeah, competition is great, but that's why I love just that's why I loved wrestling so much is because it was a pure even playing field. You weighed in at your weight, and you could be going up against somebody who is taller, shorter, different skin color, different religion, different belief system, mm -hmm. complete opposite of you. And you're put in that ring on an even, even Might. playing field, Might essentially. And yeah, the best man wins or the best woman wins. <laughs> so you didn't get interested in so just so you could slug someone legally. It's because you like the competition and the even playing field it brought. Gotcha. A question I'm looking at though, it's um you no. mentioned go ahead. I was just gonna say I, I actually started wrestling with mm -hmm. the intentions of going into the military intentionally. Oh. Um I had done competitive gymnastics my whole life and I was like I said, I was barely gonna graduate high school. Um just wasn't really passionate about school, the school system. Um that I wasn't didn't necessarily invest back in to people who weren't going after that super high achieving AP college classes. And that ultimately got me disengaged, disconnected, and not really caring that much. And I was like, okay, I don't know what to do next. I'm gonna go into the military, had no combat training, might as well start wrestling to develop a little bit of that. And my first tournament ever I got third place at, and my coach wow. at the time was like, do not sign those papers to go into the military. And that year I qualified for the California State Tournament and earned a scholarship to wrestle in college. And that was 
sheerly because of the fact that I actually set goals that year. I realized what role academics played in my athletic success as well and actually started getting engaged and passionate about something. And so my why at that moment became wrestling, which ended up fueling those little tasks of schoolwork and the boring stuff along the way. But because of my focus on my big goal of qualifying for state and becoming a national champion, I was able to stay motivated on those tasks along the way. That's, that's beautiful. It's beautiful. It's inspirational. And I, I can relate. Whenever you have not just a goal, but you have a clear why, something to work towards, it's, it makes the journey easier. Are you familiar with the book by Simon Sinek, Start With Why? That book is brilliant. Oh, yes. Simon Sinek is my guy. I would love to have him on at some point in the future. He said something interesting as well. I think you'd find quite fascinating. It says that so go at the leader, so go at the culture. So go at the culture, so go at the company. And we're here discussing the role that leadership plays in creating such a wonderful experience at work that people feel loved and empowered. And that's exactly what he spoke about in his book, Start With Why. And I'm pretty sure that what we're doing here is not something that is going to be confined to the spaces of this platform, wherever our listeners or viewers are watching it from. Because so many people have questions that they don't even know how to put into words. And it's fascinating because in your space, a lot of times, and this is leading up to a very important question, a lot of times, especially in my country, there is a stigma attached to seeing a psychologist, as they might put it, or getting therapy or counseling or sitting down to have a talk with a professional. Because especially among men in my country, it's seen as soft, it's seen as feminine, it's not seen as something honorable. How do you break the ice and get through to someone that can communicate to them that I know you feel that everything is okay. I know you want to say everything is okay. But with a little bit of perspective, you realize that things really aren't and you could be doing so much better. I want you to do better. How about you give this a try? How do you communicate that to someone who is reluctant to even give it a shot? Yeah, well... Coaching is, I want people to understand first and foremost that coaching is not therapy. And by any means, if you ever have a coach that starts crossing that line of therapy, um, mm -hmm. they either, one, need to be a certified therapist. Mm -hmm. and, and if they are, they need to wear their therapy hat. So you should never enter into a coaching session mm -hmm. and then start being counseled or start going through therapy. That is a complete cross of ethical guidelines and boundaries that should never oh. be crossed because essentially as a coach, you are in an authoritative space. You look at all the greatest performers in the world, whether it's athletics or music or acting, anything professional that someone is excelling at and the best in their craft, what's the number one thing they all have in common? A coach. Great coach. Each one of them is guided towards their success because, and, and typically, those coaches rarely 
rarely do they have the same accolades as those athletes. Most of the coaches that coached me were never national champions. My, my high school coach that coached me to college didn't wrestle in college at a four-year university. And so it's, it's not like your coach doesn't have to have the exact experience you're looking for. They need to be dedicated to helping you and guiding you through your problems. And when it comes to breaking down that barrier, I mean, the reason people, I, I'm more focused now on presenting myself as a leadership development coach, because that was a, a barrier that I ran into a lot was being a positive psychology focused coach. Um, my education is in positive psychology, because I know that that's what sustains results. I know the research is goes back over 20 years to if you implement these tools within your corporation, within your life in general, take business out of it, you are going to sustain and see results up to six months after your coaching engagement or six months after you're implementing these tools into your life. They don't just, you, you don't just get these, they're not life hacks, essentially. They're life changing tools that yes. you have to grow through. Like, it's not just a hack to like get better in a week or, or do this for 30 days and your life has changed. No, it's when you hit this road bump, whenever you have this adversity, this extreme setback, you still have to do those things. You still have to focus on mindfulness. You still have to set those boundaries. You still have to focus on connecting with others and seeing the way forward. Otherwise, there is no way forward. And positive psychology teaches you to do that. You almost like once you know it, you can't unlearn it sort of thing. And coaching specifically, like it's, it is a very deep reflection of breaking down those walls, breaking down those walls and breaking down those barriers. But also my main focus after that awareness is there action. What are you going to do next? What are you going to do? right after we get off this call? What are you gonna do before our next session? How are you going to take this learning forward? What did you learn about yourself that's gonna help you solve this problem or solve a similar problem in the future? And that that's the most, I mean, while the awareness is the most important part, it's like 80% of a session, that last 20% of how are you gonna take this learning forward? What action steps are you gonna take next? How are you gonna sustain this? Um, that's the most, important and key part of I I need this. I need someone who's going to hold me accountable to that because otherwise I, I'm not going to do it. Like why else, why else would I be having these problems, you know? So I'm hearing something as a recurring theme here. So positivity coaching is not sitting down on the, co the couch, as I put it, and looking up in the ceiling and telling your string that, oh, this morning, this is what happened. And yesterday, this is what happened. This is someone who's going to come in and is going to be the coach of your team. They're going to say to you that this is what I see. What's wrong? How about you approach it from this angle? So they're going to work with you to get through the problem. And it's something that you have to make it your, not necessarily just your responsibility, but your priority to not only learn and implement, but to become a better version of yourself as a result of the work that you're going through. Is that right? Yeah, 100%. Like, 
you spot are on. spot on with that. And the beauty of nowadays coaching is, I mean, I do unlimited coaching. So anytime someone needs to schedule something, I check in with people daily. I'm checking in with them like, hey, you said you were going to do this. How are you keeping up with it? Oh, um, I actually had a setback. I don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to do this. Okay, let's hop on a quick 15-minute call and power through this. Let's have a quick action strategy session of what you can do instead, or maybe something you need to talk through that's blocking you from achieving this. Um, it's it's no longer like, and even with therapy nowadays too, um, I personally prefer to go into therapy sessions because it does help create that authentic um, connection with someone else. But I've done virtual therapy as well. But with coaching, it's like, you can do it anywhere. You can do it on the road. You can do it in your office. You can do it in your bed if you wanted to, which most of my clients are not sitting in their bed. But <laughs> um, no, it's not just sitting up on the couch talking to someone who's going to pick your brain. It's it's really I, essentially how how are you going to be the actively engage and change. Mm-hmm. Okay, very quickly, three things that. Team leaders, we're, we're going to focus more on the leadership part of things because you said that you started in positive psychology. That's where your education is, but you're more getting into leadership because that's, remember the title, it's not leadership psychology. Is it leadership coaching, was it? Yes, I do leadership development coaching. Yes, and develop all coaching. my coaching practice itself, all the tools, the techniques are mm-hmm. rooted in positive psychology. And okay. so those tools used to develop leaders perfect so we have a group of leaders what are the three things that they absolutely under no circumstances should not do just just don't do it don't let it happen these are the red flags that will tear your team apart don't do this don't do these three things and what are the three things that they should do just to give them just to give our audience a bit of an insight into things they can start doing today and then we'll wrap up yeah, I would say number one thing not to do, um, don't get mad or discipline your employees. It's like, mm-hmm. don't yell at them. Don't humiliate them. If you need to cool down from a mistake they made, go behind closed doors, go outside, go sit in your car, and come in, take that person privately, Never reprimand them in public. Okay, just that's going to immediately set someone back. Years of things that they may be working through personally. Um, take them privately. Tell them. I love the three, two, one rule. Three things they're telling, they're doing well. Two ways that, or two things that need to improve, and a way forward. So, start with positivity. Give some constructive feedback. Mm-hmm. and then tell them how they can actually implement this moving forward. Um, so that's the first one I would say is never never get mad at them, never yell at them because they're not your kids. They're not children. These are grown adults working with you in your workplace. Sometimes they they're older than you. Ego. Sometimes they're younger than you. Mm-hmm. What was that? They have pride and they have an ego as well. What? So they can be hurt. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, number two... I would say first thing when you walk in the office, when you walk in your day of work, don't go straight to your 
desk. Don't go straight into like checking emails, hopping on a call, even even making coffee. Okay, first thing that anybody should do when they show up to work, when they show up to their shift, have a little huddle. Have a five minute or less huddle. Hey, let's check in. These are the things we want to work on today. These are the things that need to get done. These are some things that didn't get done yesterday. Mm-hmm. Is anybody having any blockers? Does anybody need anything, need to clear anything? Maybe didn't get breakfast in. Do we need to order breakfast? Like check in with your team literally first thing when you get there. Maybe your team gets there before you. Okay, you show up to work an hour later because they open. As soon as you get there, have a hug. Um, So first was don't get mad. Second, have those huddles, have those team communications. First thing, every day. Every single day, that is going to transform your team and it's going to set up consistency for them to also be able to like have that connection to you first thing in the morning or first thing when they when they see you. Mm-hmm. And an accountability um, check as well. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, third, I would say, kind of like relating back to earlier, don't just assign tasks. Don't just give people stuff to do unless you give them meaning into why they're doing it. Um, It may seem like exhausting constantly having to say like, this is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing this. This is why we're doing this. Like, look at, if you look at toddlers, they ask every single day, probably five or 600 times, why, 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 why? And they learn so much faster than we as adults do because they're constantly asking why. They say you can't teach an old dog new tricks, but I completely disagree because there are 60-year-olds who are becoming millionaires. And like, that's not something that happens overnight. That's something that they've been working on year after year after year and learning year after year after year how to get to that. Um, And so you have to be open to that learning but you also have to have that why. So if you want your team to be like engaged in their work, if you want them to actually show up to work motivated to do it, tell them the company why. Like tell them the the why of the day, like why you're doing these tasks and why they're important. And if you can't find out those whys as a leader, maybe they're actually not tasks that need to get done. Maybe there's something that is more important that's not just busy work and maybe you are just trying to find things to do because your employees are on the clock um it's okay to have some moments of rest at work it's okay like people do not need to always be doing something 24 7 because like that is going to lead them to burnout that is going to lead them to stress sometimes they just need that moment to sit there maybe maybe they can sit there and work on some of their personal goals and that's okay as well supporting your team towards your personal goals i know so many businesses and managers and leaders be so turned off to hear that like what they, they can't be working on their personal stuff on the on the clock it's like you realize that most of their life is spent working for you most of their yes. time is spent with you mm-hmm. and they're forgetting about their family they're not being able to work on their personal goals mm-hmm. you're just gonna have a robot that hates their job every single day coming to work is that what people want? I, I really don't think that's truly what people want, but they don't like realize they that they're doing something so, to cause it, right? Mm-hmm. 
So top three, um, don't yell, don't get mad at people. They're human beings. And I'm sure you've made mistakes too. Number yes. two, have those huddles first thing every single morning. Do not go straight to the computer. Don't go straight to coffee, anything. Check in with your team five or less minutes, five minutes or less. Um, and third thing is always communicate that why. Never, even if somebody doesn't ask, if you're always communicating it, eventually they're going to start asking. So that, that's another part of breaking down that wall. That wall is like, you take that action first. You take that first step yes. as a leader. I know that's, that's what leadership is. It's not having them come to you. It's you going to them and showing them how it's done. Humble, as they might put it. This has been one rather... Um, Wonderful, very informative, very helpful. As a closing question, and this is perhaps the second most important question, the most important question is going to be asked afterwards. Do you have any reading material or any content that you could recommend that if someone is listening or they're watching and they're very interested in learning more about positive psychology coaching, transforming their team and so on, they want to improve as a person? What could they read? What could they look at? How do they get more of your content even so that they can improve on themselves? Yeah, so um, my website is alobcoaching.com. And on there, I have tons of blogs that I have written to really dive into this stuff and summarize it cohesively. Um, There's... I mean, you mentioned Simon Sinek is a great author to dive into, listen to his podcast. Um, Brene Brown is amazing as well. She has some amazing podcasts. Um, there's a lot of different coaching books. Let me, let me just grab them real quick for you. They're right here. Okay. And while you grab that book, I think okay. that you should also mention your LinkedIn. Yes. Um, LinkedIn Faith Woodward, I'll go ahead and just share all those links with you so you can attach them below. But these yes. are my top three favorite um, coaching books or positive psychology books. This first one's Mindfulness, Acceptance, and Positive Psychology by Todd Kashton. And mm-hmm. um, it really just dives into well-being and how to actually cultivate it. Um, a, private, a Primer in Positive Psychology by Christopher Peterson. He is like such a core player in positive psychology and it talks a lot about strengths and cultivating them and how to sustain them within the workplace and then positive psychology in coaching and the title is exactly what it is really how to apply science um, based principles like actual techniques that work to executive and personal coaching Um, so that's great for leaders who maybe want to brush up on their coaching skills themselves, dive into those books. Um, Also my blog, I also post a lot of different videos, um, just small snippets of content from my blogs onto my social media. Um, If you subscribe to my newsletter and blog, I send out weekly snippets of success, secrets to success, different motivational messages, different tools that you can implement, like that day within your company to make sure you're staying on track so i will go ahead and share all those things with you to attach the links just because i want to make sure i mean while Mm -hmm. i would love yes while i would love to work with everyone and coach everyone 
I, I also understand that it's meeting people where they are and maybe people are at a point where they just need more information and I want to be able to give as much information as I can so that they can figure out the, the right way forward for themselves. And that's brilliant because once you start helping them, then it makes your job easier once they're ready. And it also shows them that, hey, this stuff actually works. For anyone who's doubting this, trust me, mm-hmm. it works. I'm telling you from my experience as well. And you mentioned them working with you. If they would like to reach out to you and your team, they would just go to alob.com or is there some other contact method that is best for them to use? Yeah, so um, the old, I'll share like, I have a general link with a way that you can book a call with me. Um, it also, if you go to my website, it has my phone number on it. Um, the best way is to book a call or call and I'm always near my work phone. So I will pick up. If not, I will get back to you within 24 hours just because I want to make sure that we're assessing whatever it is that you need to work on in that moment. Um, if you book a call online, it'll save you a lot of time because you'll be able to actually fill out a form that gives me background into what you're looking to know more about or looking to work through or build at your company or in your personal leadership journey. And um, you just want some resources. I have an informational burnout resource. I also have a leadership influence IQ that will tell you a score out of 100 of your leadership skills and leadership influence based off of positive psychology tools and techniques. Um, So I have quite a few resources that you'll be able to see and look at through the link that I'll share with you. Okay, that sounds brilliant. Is there any question that you would have wanted me to ask and I just glossed over it? I didn't get to ask it. Is there any question like that? Um, I I think we covered quite a bit to just naturally. I know you sent me quite a few questions that I feel like we just like either naturally integrated in and answered or just like skipped over and kind of went down another path, which I don't mind at all. It felt really great organic. So I think that this has been just kind of like an insightful reflection for me as well. So thank you for having me on your show um, and diving into and sharing more about coaching positive psychology. And also thank you for coming on today. It's been really wonderful. I do want this to be more of a conversation, not like an interrogation. Nobody wants to be interrogated. And you were awesome. You were actually pretty brilliant, very informative, very, very wonderful to listen to because you just spit facts. I like when you just put it out there and let us understand what it is we're going to get ourselves into once we get into positive psychology coaching. Final question. It's our tradition on the podcast that whenever a guest comes on, they've had a good time. We'd like to find out from them, is there a guest that you would like to see on this podcast? And when we get that guest on, what is a good question that you would like to have that guest answer for you? Um, Simon Sinek? Mention Simon Sinek. That would be pretty cool. <laughs> Awesome. Um, 
I can't answer him in this way. <laughs> Alright, let's put it this way. Uh, I'm also a fan. Oh, you're gonna go with Simon Sinek or you haven't decided as yet? Yeah, I think you should get Simon Sinek on the mm-hmm. show um, mm-hmm. and ask him Yes. So I mean you could perhaps yes. ask Simon what made him get into this field of psychology and feel so passionate about it. That could be a good question, I guess. Or something you're interested in learning. Or if he's gonna yeah. write another and book or how to actually um break through to others that like while experience is needed and necessary, um, when you're looking for a coach, how do you how do I word this? So there are so many people nowadays who can call themselves coaches and do call themselves coaches mm-hmm. because they decided to quit their ten year executive position and start coaching people because they found that there's a lot more money and freedom in it. Um, doesn't necessarily mean that they have coaching skills, doesn't mean that they have any ethical guidelines that they're following, um, but people still bring them on because they want somebody who's had that experience. But in the long run, they actually get a bad taste in their mouth from coaching because they're not actually employing a professional coach. They're employing an executive. Um, And so I would like to ask Simon Sinek is like, as somebody who is young in their professional coaching career, how do you really communicate the value of coaching from someone who's a professional coach that is like uh, seasoned? That's that's learned coaching skills, mm-hmm. and uh, and would rather do professional coaching than spend their time going into executive roles and transferring out of that to become a coach. That, that's what I see such a trend of now in coaching is so many people transferring out of executive roles into coaching, but I don't see many people just having a career path as a professional coach. And that's what I really want to build is how to be the best coach possible. Um, so really breaking through that barrier of like experience and showing other people that like, I'm a professional coach who is here to serve you through these coaching techniques that I've spent years learning and researching um, rather than being in a role and deciding it's a career change I want to pick up. Oh. Does that, does that, make that sense? sounds brilliant. Let me ensure that I actually I understand the question. It's such mm-hmm. a strong run for the past hour and then it falls. So. Oh, no, <laughs> That's no, what I'm ending on, I guess. No, you're fine. Trust me, because you had to think this up on the spot. But let me ensure that I have the question right. You want to ask Simon Sinek, how can you, as a certified coach, someone who's actually trained as a coach, show to your clients that it's not about being an executive that's turned a coach that gives a good coaching experience, but it's about someone who's actually trained as a coach and you being trained as a coach, how can you show that value to them that it's the coach that they need, not someone with executive experience? Correct? Yeah. Yes, exactly. Perfect. Perfect. Thank you for joining us today. Get him on the show. Coach, coach Faith. I'll get the name properly this time. It's been wonderful. 
I will keep in contact with you. We have all the links for all of our audience viewers and listeners to contact Coach Faith below in the description. And we're going to keep on producing more awesome content like this. So join us next week for our next episode. Thank you, Faith. Cheers. Thank you. Cheers.